Radio. Theology of the Body and the Saints. A talk by Madeline Vella, given at the Restore Weekend in Hobart, Tasmania. Thank you, Jamil. Okay, so it's great to be with you again today and for day three, our final day of our Restore series. Um, As we delve into this understanding of looking more deeply at the themes in Theology of the Body, it's great to look at it in light of um, some saints that have gone before us so that we can have some tangible things to aspire to and some concrete examples to follow. So if you'll join me in prayer... um, Feel free to close your eyes and listen or to to read this out along with me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Breathe into me, Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may be all holy. Move me, Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Attract my heart, Holy Spirit, that I may love only what is holy. Strengthen me, Holy Spirit, that I may defend all that is holy. Protect me, Holy Spirit, that I may be always be holy. Lord, we just put ourselves in your presence. We ask you to come and be in our presence, be with us today. Lord, we pray that you may open our hearts, open the ears of our hearts to receive whatever you want us to receive today, Lord. We just pray that you may remind us of our identity and of our dignity as sons and daughters of you. And may we always just have a strengthened uh, reminder and zeal in thanksgiving for the gift that you've given us by dying on a cross for us so that we may truly have life and live it to the full. We ask for the intercession of our guardian angels, for all of our patron saints, especially for the intercession of St. John Paul II. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so that brings me to one of my heroes, one of... um, Yeah, uh, a man who has had a massive impact on my life, and that is St. John Paul II. So just love this image of him just, you know, sitting, I guess you'd call that a canoe, canoe, just reading, contemplating life. And, you know, this man had um, experienced a lot of suffering in his life, yet he saw the goodness of human love, and, and he never stopped believing in the goodness of humanity. And, you know, he's given us some of the greatest teachings in the church, Um, some of the most amazing insights into what it means to be human and on how we can embrace our call to be saints. So I've got a short video that I'd like to start with um, and I hope that we can unpack it together. Dear young people, Failure to dominate the whole world in light of the mass yet 20,000 people show. 
Thomas and lifeless philosophies. John Paul II stood out like a light, shining in the darkness, reminding us I'm so like in awe of that that I just almost knocked myself over. <laughs> you can laugh, it's fine. <laughs> like, uh, just did anyone's heart almost explode when you heard his voice? Yep. Like I've watched his video over and over again and I'm sorry the sound wasn't the best, but you can look that up on reallifecatholic.com or Christophanic, and he's got a series of videos about different saints, and it's amazing. But um, if you want to listen to that or, or pray with it more, you can look that up. But I've watched that video so many times, and every single time I feel like my heart's just going to pop because it's, I don't know, something, there's something that, that, like, what is it about this man? Like, what is it? It's like you feel, it's like you feel the love, and he's a saint. We know that he's a canonized saint and you just can feel the love um, coming out of him. And this is a man who experienced so much hurt and so much devastation. And, you know, I love what, what Christophanic said there, that there's nothing more attractive than holiness. And St. John Paul II, I think that's why he's so attractive is because he strove for holiness and he was so holy and it was his prayer. You know, he was so... Um, so united to, to the Lord in prayer. And um, St. Padre Pio says that prayer is the oxygen of the soul. You know, like, like prayer is what um, brings us alive, so to speak. Like we, we need food and sleep and, and, and shelter and all of those things physically, but, but we can't neglect caring for our souls. And it's prayer that, that um, nourishes our soul. So I wanted to show that video because um, it just – Seeing him speak those words, I think, expresses more adequately than I ever could what we're called to, and that is essentially its sanctity. And I just want to dive in here for a second, just to um, another you know, great quote by St. John Paul II is, it is Jesus you seek when you dream of happiness. So we all want to be happy. We all want to be loved. We all want to love. And when that, that desire, that yearning, that ache for happiness, for holiness, for heaven, for the infinite, it's... It's Jesus. He is the only one that can fulfill all the desires of our heart. Um, and so every single person you meet, every single person that you encounter, they have this ache, they have this longing. Okay, like God created us like that for a reason, so that we would journey back to him where, where our true home is. Okay, St. Therese of Lisieux, she says, the world is thy ship and not thy home. Like this, this earth is temporary. Okay. Um, 
This morning in Mass, Father was talking about why is there so much suffering? Why does suffering happen to good people? And um, this earth, like it's, it, we, we should expect that there would be an element of suffering because it's not, it's not heaven. We're made for heaven. So anything less than heaven is going to be, there's going to be a suffering attached to that because we're created for more. So every single person that you encounter, like we all have wounds, we're all broken, okay? I'm sure there's no one in here that would say my life is perfect, I'm not struggling with anything or I don't have any fears or doubts or anxieties or worries about my future. You know, everything's great. Everyone in my life is just, you know, so nice all the time. No one offends me, no one hurts me. It's like, no, none of us can really say that. Um, And so we're all carrying around these crosses, these wounds, these hurts, um, but we're all longing for the infinite. And sometimes we miss the mark with each other. We, we can, in that, in that pain, we can, we can hurt each other. Um, but it's important to remember that every single person that you encounter, every single person that you meet, no matter how they treat you, is longing for love, is longing for Jesus, for heaven. And we're called to treat everyone that we encounter like Christ treated the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And really, like this woman, she was an outcast in her society. Okay, she was been married five times. She was living with um, you know, a man who was not her husband, and she was really um, ostracized by her community. And there's, I won't, I don't have time to go into the whole um, exegesis on this gospel passage, but she was going to collect water at the at the middle of the day, um, simply because she couldn't go with the other women of the town in the morning when they all went because they didn't want to be around her. So this poor woman had to walk out with her jar to the well to retrieve water when there was no one else around. Okay, and who did she meet there? Jesus. And, you know, he said he'd give her, you know, the everlasting truth so she'd never thirst again. And she, she listened to him and she, she accepted him into her life. And what number... He was the seventh man to enter her life, right? Um, and but what, where did Jesus do? He didn't say to her, "Oh, he did." He told her. He told her, you know, her life and and what she'd done, and that's how that's what convinced her that it was Christ. It was the Messiah. But um, she didn't. She he didn't say to her, "Oh, I know you've done X, Y, and Z. So you know, come back to me when you're perfect and holy and sinless." No, he, he loved her exactly where she was. Okay, but God loves us exactly as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So he's constantly calling us out of ourselves. You're made for more. I made you for more than, than sin. You're better than that. Let my mercy heal you and take you out of that. So we're really called to love those that we encounter like Christ loved the woman at the well. And also to like the Good Samaritan. So we see here the Good Samaritan stopping to help the outcast. And I often ask myself, like whenever I see this image, like who am I in this image? Like am I like the Good Samaritan who will stop and comfort someone in need, who will stop and talk to a homeless person or give them some food or encounter them? Okay, because it's one thing to just you know, see a homeless person and, and drop a dollar in their their um, basket or something or to give them some leftover lunch or go and buy them a meal. But it's a whole other thing to stop and 
and look into their eyes and shake their hand and have a conversation with them. Okay, because if, you know, a lot of, if you look into a homeless person's eyes, it's like no one's looked into them for years. Okay, they, and they begin to forget their dignity. And so it's our job to be Christ to them, to remind them of their dignity. And like St. John Paul II said in that video, like, you know, like, you're not who they say you are. Let me remind you. Okay, and sometimes we need to, we need to remind people of who they are, of their dignity. But we can't do that unless we understand our own dignity. And our own value. So maybe a question to, to ask is, is who am I in this image? Am I, am I the good Samaritan who kind of um, will stop and, and take care of someone? Am I the person that needs to be taken care of and really searching and, and yearning for someone to, to kind of show me that compassion and remind me of my dignity? Or am I someone who just keeps walking by and you can, you can see how they just, they just keep walking, like all these people? Um, and we, we have to, like, we are all given the gift of this, of our faith and of, of the truth. And we have to first let it um, resonate in our hearts and then remind everyone that we encounter of it. So how do we do that? We discover our call to sanctity. Okay, so what is a saint and how do I become one? So um, this call to sanctity, I think, is crucial in understanding our faith and how we live it out. Um, knowing that you are called to be a saint, but that's what you're created for. A saint is someone who is in heaven. Okay, yes, our church has canonized saints who have performed miracles and they've gone through um, the course for canonization and the Vatican has approved it and they've been canonized so that we can have some, some visible saints, okay? For anyone who's confirmed in the room, you would have a confirmation saint, your patron saint who's praying for you. Um, but... The definition of a saint is anyone who is in heaven and we're all called to go to heaven. So we're all called to become saints and we're all capable of that. Okay. The saints didn't have a secret eight sacrament. They have exactly what we have. Okay. We all have the ability to become saints and you're all called to that. I remember when I found that out, I was me like, I've done all these sins. How could I possibly become a saint? But that's the reality of God's mercy and his love. So the first, um, well, first we need to understand these, some of these components, some of these definitions um, of sanctity. So uh, a person who is striving for sanctity is obviously striving for holiness, okay? Now, to be holy uh, means that you are whole, okay? So we have to have an integration of, of ourselves and a right ordered understanding of our, love, our our dignity, our identity, and our desires, okay, which we've been talking a lot about this weekend we have to be striving for virtue. Okay, now St. Thomas Aquinas describes virtue as a good habit. So we have to be forming good habits in our life, okay, that direct us towards the divine. Um, this idea of martyrdom. Okay, now mar- a martyr is someone who dies for the faith. Now that doesn't mean we all have to um, be killed for our faith, but martyrdom in the spiritual sense as well is like dying to ourselves, okay, so that God may live in us. All right, so that we in, we decrease and Christ can increase in us. And martyr actually means um, witness in Greek. Okay, so we're called to, to be witnesses to the faith and to God's mercy and love. Grace we understand as a gift from God and understanding our identity um, as a son and as a daughter, son or daughter of God, okay, firstly a child of God. So the first importance of discovering our call to sanctity is our identity. Okay, so I've spoken a little bit about that already, and we're going to delve into that a little bit more when we look at the doctrine of Imago Dei. Okay, that's the church doctrine, 
that explains that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So this amazing quote that changed my life, this is, you probably can tell over the past couple of days, I'm a very quote-centered person, love quotes, but this is my number one favorite quote. Do not be afraid to be the saints of the new millennium. Do not be afraid to be the saints of the new millennium. Now, St. John Paul II said this at um, a meeting with the youth in Rome in 2000. Okay, so right at the, um, over the millennium. And some of you may not have been born in this room. Abby, what year were you born? Okay, so you were very little. There we go. Okay, two, three months. A couple months after. Okay. All right, so there we go. So it's really, this is your, your whole life for you younger generation. Um, I was eight. I remember the Olympics were in Sydney. Very exciting year for me. Um, but in hindsight, this was, was the highlight. I just didn't know it yet. So do not be afraid to be the saints of the new millennium. We're all called to that. Don't be afraid. And um, does anyone know how many times the phrase do not be afraid is written in the Bible? Well done, Zelia. 365 times, one for every day. So that is a very central message that Jesus or you know, God is trying to give us through the Bible is do not be afraid or be not afraid. Okay, um, we don't need to be afraid of this, but it can be scary sometimes. Okay, because when God is calling us to be more, that often means our heart needs to be stretched a little bit. And that is very, very painful sometimes. Okay. We have to know our purpose. So I love this quote, Saint, um, not Saint, maybe one day, but Pope Benedict the 16th said, the world offers you comfort, but you were not created for comfort. You were created for greatness. So how many times are we tempted to settle, do what our friends are doing, okay? Because it's uncomfortable to stand up against the tide. Okay, it's uncomfortable to say my opinion when I know I'm going to be ridiculed for it. Or, you know, I'm just going to be quiet in this conversation because I can see it's going down, you know, a path I don't really agree with. And, you know, I really should say something and defend the faith, but I'm, it's uncomfortable. And what is Pope Benedict reminding us of? You're not created for comfort. You were created for greatness. Okay, now does great always mean easy? Absolutely not. Usually it's the opposite. Anyone who's ever done anything great or has received the title great has stepped out of themselves, has done something um, you know, radical or, or um, very, very, very taxing on themselves. They've had to make sacrifices for it. But we're called to that, nothing less. Now, if I really just want to get this idea out of your heads, if, if you think these, that the saints, if you see these beautiful stained glass images, um, stained glass windows um, of the saints all praying, that they're all pious and they just spent all day on their knees. Saints were radical, okay? The saints went, like, throughout all times, especially times of darkness, the saints rose up and they did amazing things because of their love for the Lord and they really understood that they were created for more than what the world was offering. So you're created for greatness. So we need to know our identity, our mission, sorry, our purpose and our mission. And I think I love this as well. Pope Francis reminds us, ask Jesus what he wants from you and be brave. Okay, so St. Catherine of Siena did say, if you are what you should be, you will set the world ablaze. God has a specific plan and vocation for every single one of you. Okay, there is as many paths to holiness as there are people. And God has a special plan for you, a special mission. Okay, and you have a choice. You can accept it 
or or reject it. But God loves you that much that he has designed a specific path back to him just for you. And we can respond to that. And how do we discover? Through prayer, contemplation, silencing our heart and listening to the voice of God. Um, but don't be afraid to ask what he wants and, and be brave. Know that that he will um, He will give you the grace. Okay, One of the um, scariest things I ever did in my life was um, pack up, and moved to America for a year to do a year of mission because I felt very called to. And um, I had to, I deferred uni. I'd never lived away from home before. Um, and it, I just, I, there was, I actually didn't want to go. I felt the call and I just didn't want to go. I was like, no, Lord, like, let me go for a couple of months. I don't want to go do the whole year. But I just felt this persistent, persistent call. And um, I ended up going and through the grace was given the courage. And that year is what, totally transformed my life, my faith, my I learned so much about myself. I met amazing people, I had amazing experiences, and um it like was a real grace, but we have to respond to the grace that God wants to give us and open our hearts, okay? Um so our identity, our purpose and our mission. Now let's link this to the theology of the body. Okay, so the two fundamental questions of the, of the theology of the body, okay, which was a series of um, uh, writings that St. John Paul delivered in his Wednesday audiences over, I think it was four years. Um, the two fundamental questions are, what does it mean to be human and how can I be truly happy? Okay, so what does it mean to be human? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Why did God create me? Okay, you think about the beauty of the human person. Okay, the, the uniqueness of you, okay? The fact that you exist is a complete miracle, absolute miracle. But we all want to be truly happy, and how do we do that? So the theology of the body is about exploring those two questions. Okay, so to break it down a little bit more, the first column, we look at our identity, okay? We understand um, St. John Paul II takes us through original man, historical man, and glorified man. Don't be put off by that if you've never heard it before. Very simple. Original man, God's original plan. Okay, so before the fall, what was God's plan for us? Okay, death was never part of God's plan. Sickness, sin, never part of God's plan. Okay, Um, historical man. So that's where we are now, okay, the fallen man. And then the glorified man, which is what we're called to. Okay, so original man is God's original plan. Historical man is after the fall and glorified man is like well, that we're called to um, to heaven, okay? We're called to be one with God the, and experience the beatific vision in heaven with God. Okay, so that's understanding and exploring our identity, okay? And we'll unpack this slowly, don't worry. The second part, vocation. So once we understand our identity, once we understand that God's mercy redeems, how do we then live that out? Okay, through our vocation. So there's celibacy for the kingdom. Okay, where we look at um, life of, of consecration and consecrating um, your virginity, so that you can be, in a sense, in through your vocation, free to bring God's God's love to the world in in that particular vocation, that particular form. Okay, then we have the sacramentality of marriage. Okay, where the spousal meaning of the body so the the dignity of sex is understood more and the purpose and the unitive and procreative union 
that comes from the sexual act is united. Okay, so we know that life, you know, that life can life comes from from sex, which is a beautiful gift. But we have to understand that, and um, we do that in the context of the sacramentality of marriage in theology of the body, and then going on from that, this love and fruitfulness of our vocation. So no matter what vocation we're called to, we're called to bring love and fruit in in the respective form. Okay, so. Um, that's theology of the body in a nutshell. Obviously, there's like it's thou like you know hundreds and hundreds of pages of writing. So I've really simplified it here. But it's some of these things. Okay, so what was God's original plan? Where are we now? What are we called to? And then how do we live out? How does in our vocation is really how is God calling me to love in the world? How is God calling me to love Him and those that I encounter? That's the question of our vocation. So we know that God created man and woman, okay, male and female. He created them, okay. So we do. We have God's original plan, okay. We have um, this beautiful masterpiece that God has created that He wants for humanity, okay, one of love and fulfillment and happiness, okay. But we know that Eve sinned, okay, and um, Adam was right there with her. And we see the fall and we see that sin and darkness and death enter the world and we see shame, okay? So this tells us that some kind of redemption needs to happen to bring us back to God's original plan, okay, for man and woman. And that's why Christ comes to restore us. Now, I love this image of him pulling, he's pulling Adam and Eve out of the, out of the um, grave. Like, I've come to restore you. I've come to redeem you. I've come to realign your heart so that it can be directed, not like selfishly or inwardly or downwardly, but back up, back up to what you're created for. Christ comes to remind us of our dignity, of our humanity, okay, of our calling. Okay, so this idea of Genesis, knowing that we are made in the image and likeness of God and to be made in the image and likeness of God is to reflect something, okay? You, you reflect, to be made in the image and likeness, you reflect it. <coughs> Okay, so you all reflect an aspect of God that the world has never seen before. Okay, so every single person is totally unique. All right, you think about all the people that have lived in history. No two people are the same. There's about 7 billion people alive right now. No two people are the same. Okay, and all the people that will live in the future, no two people are the same. That is how unique you are. Okay, Edwina. There will never be another you, okay? Like, never. God created you. Pope Benedict says that you are a thought of God. Like, God thought you into existence. Can you just stop and think about that for a second? Like, God thought you into existence. Crazy. And then you look at the the beauty of the sexual act between a husband and a wife, that their love can be so profound Okay, so their expression of their love can be so, um, yeah, just so profound that it overflows out of them. And nine months later, you've got to give that love a name. Okay, like that is the miracle of life. That, like, that is how God chose to bring new life into the world, is through love. Crazy beautiful, amazing, the dignity of the human person. Okay, if you have never stopped to think about and ponder your dignity Please do that. Sit before a crucifix. Sit in adoration 
in front of the Blessed Sacrament and just ask God to reveal your dignity to you. Okay, because that is the foundation of what it means to be a saint. That is the foundation of theology of the body, knowing that you are loved into existence and God's love will sustain you. Okay, did you know that if God stopped thinking about you and loving you for a second, you would cease to exist and it would be as if you never existed? Like, he doesn't need us. He, he created us out of love and it's his love that, that sustains. Now, it says in the first letter of John, chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. Very simple. It's got a beautiful passage on love. Pray with it. Um, God is love. So we just said that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Who is love? Now, what is love? Okay, we hear it all the time. It's in every second song. It's all the number one theme in most of the movies. Okay, what is it though? We all, we all want it. We all want to love and be loved, right? I don't think you'd be in this room if you hadn't recognized that, that desire to love and be loved. Okay, so what is love? Is it a feeling, an emotion? Yes, it can be, but it has to be more than that. Okay, love draws us out of ourselves. Love is sacrifice. Love is a choice. Love is a doing word. Okay, love is about self-gift. So we're made in the very image and likeness of the one thing that we desire most. Okay, and where do a lot of people in our culture look for it? Outside. Okay, in, you know random hookups or alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, trying to get that fulfillment, trying to feel that ache, okay, where we're, crea- we're, we're already, like we already have the capacity to receive that love if we only are in touch with that and understand it, okay, so you're made in the very image and likeness of the one thing that you desire most, it's amazing, and then St. Paul tells us in the first letter to the Corinthians that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Okay, so do, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Okay, so we have to remember that we are created body and soul. Okay, we create a body and soul. We cannot separate the two. What we do with our body impacts our soul. What we do with our soul can impact our body. Okay, simple example. If I um, really want to eat a piece of chocolate cake, Okay, I really, really want to do it, but it's not good for my body, and I do it, it's got a bad impact on my body. Okay, so we have to understand that the relationship between our, like we are, like it, it's united, our body and soul is united. Um, so this, I want to explore this idea of body and spirit a little bit more in a theological sense. The enunciation, okay, the word became flesh. Okay, the spirit became flesh in Mary's womb. She was totally open and receptive. Okay, and we see this uniting of body and spirit. Okay, and you'll notice it's always associated with with holiness and virtue. Okay, so the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So remember this uniting of body and spirit for the good. The crucifixion, the will and the body, okay, brought about the greatest redemption, that that the greatest redemption that, that we needed. Okay, Christ's crucifixion. And then the ascension, Jesus ascended, body and spirit into heaven. This uniting of body and spirit. Remember, we're called to that. The assumption, again, Mary was assumed into heaven, body and spirit. 
body and spirit. There's this uniting here. It's so important. And then we get some words um, from, from Jesus. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So our body and soul need to work together. Okay. It, it's, it's a team effort here. This brings us understanding chastity a little bit more, okay, um, which we've explored this weekend. But really, understanding chastity as a virtue that directs all of our sexual desires towards the good of the other, okay? Chastity is a, it's a virtue and a gift. It's a yes to authentic love, okay? So it's not a list of no's. Every time, um, you know, sometimes people give chastity a bad rap and think that, oh, it's, it's all about sexual repression and saying no. Chastity is the total opposite. Chastity is freeing. It frees you to love as you desire to love and be loved. Okay? It is God's plan for our sexuality and it brings about a great freedom and joy. And the definition from the catechism. Remember what we just said about body and spirit being united. Chastity means the successful integration of sexuality within the person and thus the inner unity of man in his bodily and spiritual being. Okay? Body and spirit. The virtue of chastity therefore involves the integrity of the person and the integrality of the gift. Okay, so we need to be men and women of integrity. Okay, integrity is about doing the right thing at the right time, living in accordance with our state in life. Okay, Um, very, very important in this uniting of the body and, and the spirit. We'll just revisit St. Catherine. If you are what you should be, you set the world on fire. So really, this understanding of our identity, our dignity as men and women is crucial to allowing us to experience and discover our vocation and then live it out fully to be open to God's grace to help us. Okay, I like to think about grace as um, ice skates. Has anyone been ice skating before? Yeah? So has anyone ever tried to ice skate without ice skates? You wouldn't, right? It's like, so why would we try to live life without grace? It's like, Grace is like our spiritual ice skates, right? It helps us kind of, now it doesn't mean it's easy, okay? I know whenever I ice skate, I still fall over. Sometimes, you know, you you hurt yourself or whatever, but you get back up, but it's easier, okay? So, I don't know. I just like to think about grace like that. It kind of makes sense. So we want to be open to God's grace. And God, like if you read the diary of St. Faustina on talking about divine mercy, like God is just like, waiting and waiting and waiting for us to approach him so that he can just flood our hearts with grace like here's a little newsflash god's grace can never run out okay and we we can all we have to do is ask for it ask and you will receive god wants to pour his grace and love into your hearts all right so let's explore some of some more saints who have really understood this and lived it out practically okay Obviously, St. John Paul II, we've spoken a lot about. So I wanted to give you a couple of quotes from Theology of the Body that he has said. Only the chaste man and the chaste woman are capable of authentic love. Okay, now what is authentic love? St. John Paul II says that authentic love is about entering into the mystery of the other without violating that mystery. So there is a reverence and a respect for the other person. Okay, it's not, a you know, you don't go into a relationship trying to change someone. Okay, we should always be encouraging the other to grow in holiness and virtue, but not trying to change their their qualities or or who they are. 
Um, God has assigned to every man the dignity of every woman and to every woman the dignity of every man. So for anyone who was here yesterday, we were going through the masculine and the masculinity and femininity. That's kind of what we're getting at. It's what does it mean to be a man if you're a man? What does it mean to be a woman if you're a woman? And then how do we embrace that and then help each other, like build each other up as men and women? It's very important. Okay, blessed Pierre Giorgio Fassati. Who's heard of him? Yes? Awesome. He's such a legend. I can't wait till he becomes a saint. I cannot wait till he becomes a saint. I really hope that he does in my lifetime. So he said, True happiness, dear friends, does not consist in the pleasures of the world or in earthly things, but in peace of conscience, which we have only if we are pure in heart and mind. Okay, so these are, these are men and women. I'm showing you some men and women that have gone before us, okay, who have walked this path. Okay, now I don't know about you, but I often get a little bit intimidated when people say, you know, imitate Jesus or imitate Mary. Okay, now we should strive for that, but Mary was perfect. She couldn't even sin if she wanted to. Okay, now I am very far from that. doesn't mean I don't aspire to it, but on a day-to-day life, like I look at Mary and I'm like, oh, I've a little, like, really got a lot to do to get there but the saints okay they were exactly like us born with original sin okay had the same access to the sacraments to prayer all of those things same struggles okay um but they walked this path before us and we have a lot to learn from their life so i really do do encourage you like read the lives of the saints it's so inspiring so encouraging um and we have a lot to learn from, from these brothers and sisters that have gone before us and are now, you know, saints in heaven, okay, which is where we all want to be. I can't wait to um, – there's a few saints I can't wait to have a cup of tea and a chat with in heaven. Um, so, you know, we have to look at their lives and see how we, can, how we can imitate them and learn from them. So look at this. A young man, he died at 24, made a total gift of himself. Okay, total gift of himself to everyone that he met. He was so selfless, so detached, okay, so in love with God, with the Eucharist, with the rosary. And he said, you know, like he obviously experienced such a level of freedom to be able to give himself totally to everyone that he encountered. Okay, he died before he figured out his vocation, but he didn't sit and waste his life waiting to receive his vocation before he began loving Okay, this was a man who knew that God loved him and he worked every day at showing God that he loved him in return and responded to the grace that God gave him. And I'll tell you a little secret about the spiritual life that I've learned from some of the saints. When you ask for God's grace and he gives it to you and you use it, you can expect to receive it 100-fold. And you probably already know that. But it's like it's a never-ending fountain once God knows our heart is open. So um, let, let's, try and, let's try and get some of this peace and this freedom that these saints are talking about. If you want to know more about Blessed Pierre Giorgio Fassati, we've got a CD on him up the back. It's um, a great explanation about his life and just the virtue, virtuous man that he was. Okay, we've said this quote before this weekend, but I think it's so integral to this entire message, okay? Our vocation is love, okay? Love in the sense of giving ourselves to those that we meet, bringing Christ to those that we encounter, okay? Loving as Christ loved, showing someone that Christ loves them when they've forgotten it or they've never experienced, okay? Or no one else in their life is showing them. 
Okay, that's an amazing gift that we can give someone. Never underestimate the gift of a smile. Okay, St. Philomena and St. Marie Goretti. Does anyone, can I just ask, does anyone have a particular devotion to a saint? Like, well, let's, let's call on some of the saints. Anyone got a favorite saint, Jamil? Little flower, yep. Abby? Saint Scholastica, okay, awesome, yep. St. John Paul II, yep. St. Yep, Teresa of Calcutta. Saint now, that's great. Elizabeth of Hungary. Elizabeth of Hungary. St. Francis of Okay, St. Francis. A big powerhouse saint here. Okay, ask them to pray. Like, and your confirmation saint, like if you've forgotten it or, you know, find out who it is because they're praying for you and like you chose them for a reason. Okay, I, I remember when I made my confirmation, chose my confirmation saint, I didn't know a ton of saints. I just kind of, you know, I really didn't know many. So I ended up choosing queen of all saints, okay, Mary, um, which is an amazing gift. And then when I met Simon, so my Mary came mother of Jesus and Simon's is Saint Joseph. So um, there's always like always a reason for you choosing your confirmation saint, even if you don't know it at the time. Um, and, you know, they're, they're praying for you. you. You chose them. So we have here two beautiful little saints, okay? Very, very young. Saint Philomena, okay? She's early church, fourth century, virgin martyr. She died at 14 years old because she had made a vow of consecrating her virginity to Christ at a very young age. And the emperor at the time, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the emperor, but he wanted to marry her. Okay, and she refused, okay, absolutely refused um, because she had made this vow of virginity and consecrated herself to the Lord. And anyway, she ended up being killed for it, okay, 14 years old, 14, like, amazing. She's called Daughter of Light. That's what Philomena means. And I would look to her for devotion, okay. She, nothing, nothing could waver her love for God and the commitment that she'd made, um, and, you know, she was tortured and shot with arrows and she had an anchor tied around her, her neck and was thrown into a river and angels came and set her free until she was eventually um, decapitated. Um, but just such a little humble saint who was obviously so close to Jesus and who loved him so much and yet was, you know, willing to, to die for her purity in honour of that commitment she'd made to the Lord. Um so a lot to learn there from Philomena. And St. Maria Goretti, um, she died in 1902. So she's quite quite recent, but similar story to St. Philomena. She died at 12 years. She's also a virgin martyr, and I look to her as an example of forgiveness because if anyone doesn't know the story of St. Maria Goretti, she um, was her next-door neighbour. I mean, he was about 18 at the time. He tried to, to rape her, and she, you know, resisted and she was like he was trying and pressuring and and she kept resisting and out of anger he stabbed her multiple times over um her body and she ended up dying the next day but the last thing she did before she died was forgive him she wanted him to know that she was he was forgiven and um just the um the knowledge of the dignity and reverence of her purity really um 
really inspires me and just her her willingness to suffer and die for the sake of because she knew she knew her value and her worth and I've got there Matthew 5 Matthew chapter 5 verse 30 talks about you know if if one of your body parts causes you to sin cut it off because it's better to enter heaven um you know with one less body part than than to be taken to hell for it so it's like what are we what are we doing? This is, this is supposed to be an uplifting talk, not supposed to, um, you know, make us despair or anything, but like what are we doing to preserve our purity? If you have a struggle with a pornography problem, what are you doing to overcome it? You know, if you're struggling with lust or temptation in your relationship, what boundaries are you putting on to make sure that you don't fall into to this sin? And call upon these saints, like pray to them and ask for their intercession. Has anyone ever read anything by St. Jose Maria Escriva? Nope. Okay. If you ever read anything on him, he's like the, the king of slapping you in the face. <laughs> like if you read St. Jose Maria, it's just like he's got like these books and they're just like little short kind of um, things. It's not really like, like a novel or anything. It's just little short pieces of advice on the spiritual life and everyone it's just like bang bang and it's like okay okay like I can only read like three or four little paragraphs at a time because it's, it's just too much but um he's a saint of fortitude like just courage like perseverance keep going you fell over get over it get back up keep going kind of guy so he's got some great quotes I couldn't really pick so I put all three but holy purity is granted by God when it is asked for with humility. So we need to acknowledge, okay, we have sexual desires. We are sexual um, beings. There's a great gift in that. There's a great beauty to it. But we need to order our sexual desires, okay? Okay, we need to order our sexual desires, okay? So we need to understand that really it is very, very hard to live a life of chastity and purity without the grace of God. Okay, so we need to be humble, we need to humble ourselves, we need to little ourselves, and we need to, to, you know, be ready to go straight to confession if we fall, but also to understand that God, God is merciful and that God's grace can help us live a life of purity. And I've experienced this in my own life multiple times. Another one, to defend his purity, St. Francis of Assisi rolled in the snow, St. Benedict threw himself into a thorn bush, St. Bernard plunged into an icy pond. You, what have you done? Okay, so look at it. He's going, okay, this saint's done this, this saint's done this, this saint did that. What are you doing? Okay, so I know I can see some faces like, oh, I'm going to think about that one. But there's truth to it. And I love the boldness of this quote, um, even though it, you know, it is a little confronting, I think is a good word, but we have to be ready. We have to be ready to make sacrifices, Okay, because our purity, our, our sexuality, our virginity is a gift that God has given us. Okay, now if we have fallen, okay, we just get up and go to confession and we start again. Okay, and never, it's never too late to renew our purity, to re- renew our commitment to purity. That's why we have purity commitment cards at the back that you can take and sign as a visible reminder. And it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you did last month. It's what are you doing today? Like, have you, like, what are you doing today to commit to living out a life of purity and sexual virtue? Last one there. When you decide to firmly lead a clean life, chastity will not be a burden on you. It will be a crown of triumph, okay? And I can tell you that there is nothing, like, you know, I, I did that whole lifestyle in high school and it was miserable and empty. 
once I embraced and discovered the virtue of chastity and began to live it out, like I've never experienced more joy and freedom in loving as we're created to love and be loved. Okay, I'm just going to mention some of these saints who are all virgin martyrs. Okay, so we've got Saint Agatha up there. Okay, Saint Agnes with the lamb, Saint Lucy, and my personal favorite saint, Saint Catherine of Alexandria. Um, all virgin martyrs. So I'm just kind of giving them to you. You can research them if you like. You can pray and ask for their intercession, read up about their lives. Um, beautiful witnesses and examples. Okay. Just quickly here, St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. Okay, this was a man, he's called the doctor of desire. Often he's referred to as that. He was in touch with his desires. He's got that famous prayer, Lord, make me chase, but not yet. Okay, so he knew what he was created for, but he was struggling with that tension of knowing that he needed to stretch his heart and make sacrifices for his purity. Um, so he's a great saint to implore as well. And St. Thomas Aquinas was also very, very committed um, to living a life of chastity and purity, as were all the saints. St. Thomas Aquinas has, um, I think it's a purity court or something. There's also the purity court of St. Philomena. St. Thomas Aquinas said, the things that we love tell us what we are. Okay, so we need to really look at our hearts and align them to be in line with, with what God loves. Lastly, St. Anne, okay, she's a wonderful saint to implore and ask for intercession of purity and also your future vocation. And particularly for the ladies in the room um, who may be discerning vocation of marriage, she's a great saint to ask for um, the intercession of helping you find your future spouse. Her feast day is coming up um, on the 26th of this month. But um, there's a little prayer that I like to share that is attributed to St. Anne for the ladies, and that is St. Anne, St. Anne, please find me a man. So that could be something little that you pray if you're discerning marriage. Um, she's, yeah, great. And if you think about the just the beauty of St. Anne for a moment, we often, like, we talk about the Immaculate Conception of Mary, but where did the Immaculate Conception take place? In St. Anne's womb. Okay, so she's a, a saint that we really should... Um, yeah, that, that we can we can ask for her intercession. And Tuesdays are usually attributed to St. Anne in the church if you wanted to develop a bit more of a devotion to her. And lastly, St. Joseph, okay? He's got the title Guardian of Virgins, okay? He's a great saint to ask for in times of all moments of temptation. Um, so let's, let's not forget um, St. Joseph and um, know that we can pray and ask him for his intercession for our purity and our holiness. And he's always usually got the lilies, which is a symbol of purity. Whenever you see lilies, it's a sign of purity or life. Um, so that is St. Joseph there. Last quote from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, okay, all the saints we just spoke about, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us, the path to heaven. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Okay, so really we've got so many examples of saints that have died for the sake of their purity and their sexual virtue. Um, and 
really until we've we've died for that we haven't done enough okay now don't say that to end on a low note but to inspire us okay that there are so many saints and wonderful men and women that have gone before us who have really delved into the teachings of theology of the body um, even before it was called the theology of the body these fundamental themes of what does it mean to be human how can i be happy what is my identity um responding to god's grace and mercy and um we just yet yeah, we need to remember that in light of the fact that Jesus came so that you may have life and have it to the full. And chastity is a wonderful path and virtue that allows us to live that out fully. Okay, so thank you very much. Hope you got something practical out of that. Thank you. That was Madeline Vella with Theology of the Body and the Saints from the Restore Weekend in Hobart, Tasmania. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.